Okay, let's see this new character. Hmm. Wait, what? A paladin warlock multi-class? He's a good aligned paladin and a warlock with a pact with a fiend? Nope, not gonna happen. Take your happy multi-classing, min-maxing ass back to the books and make a new character. And you could only use the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Hey, what happened to our regular music? I, I think we had to replace it because of today's theme. I like this one, though. I, I'm an Animat fan. Same here. Same here. Yeah. All right. But we're going to be talking about the ultimate goody two-shoes today, aren't we? Yes, we are. But we need to introduce ourselves first. Okay. Yes, we are the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly, And I'm Greg Ziegler. So welcome aboard. And yes, today we are going to be talking about the Paladin, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes himself. Although... That's really not so accurate anymore. Not so much anymore. But first, we should find out what we've all been doing, I think. That is correct. So it's been about a little less than two weeks since the last time we got together in the studios. And so... Greg, what have you been doing? Well, um... Having that usual adult problem with almost all of my games, <laughs> everyone is not showing up. Incontinence? Yeah, well, that pro- too. That's what the TV tells uh, me it is. Yeah, wow. Uh, our, our games have fallen and they are not getting up. Um, oh, no. But yeah, uh, yeah, my Star Wars game, people not showing up. So we, uh, we have to do, uh, we're doing the stretch, you know, where you, the characters have to go somewhere and then engage in a task and instead of the task being the thing it's the three people that show up stretch the journey into an entire oh, three I hour see. run so it should have taken five minutes and it took three hours because it gave us something to do but uh don't you ever consider just canceling and just trying to get what? together another time no, no. Uh, well, okay we play, well we had a problem we with our Fridays. bi-weekly group we had two people cancel <laughs> same problem yeah so uh, we instead played dungeon mayhem which is this card game that was released by wizards and i thought that was a good thing i had a i had a really good time with it and i kind of poo-poo card games a lot because you know i have a is it a recent game it came out within the last year i got mm-hmm, a free so. copy when i dm'd up at d8 summit i had played it up there uh, late into the early morning hours, drinking beer and playing <laughs> Dungeon Mayhem, and it's it's it is alcohol friendly. It's not that complicated. It's kind of yeah, a beer and pretzel some, game. Yeah, yes, it's definitely yeah. a beer and pretzel game. I think we did consume a lot of snacks. Yeah, uh, and they're we coming out with an expansion to add two uh, more characters. September, so. I believe yeah, that's yeah. coming out, so. and that'll and it's be only cool. like ten bucks or twelve. Yeah, bucks ten or twelve bucks on Amazon, and uh, have to check it yes. out. Uh, we'll have to see if that's cheap. But yeah, I I really uh, enjoyed that and was glad that. They didn't show up, kind of, because I got introduced to a game I didn't know. But, hmm. uh, yeah, on Fridays, we sometimes will play alternate games. That's how I uh, found uh, that Cthulhu word game, uh, Unspeakable Words. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we played that a couple of times when only two people showed up. But, uh, no, we still had a good time, though. We, you know, I roughed up some civilians. and uh, it's always good to expand your horizons. Yeah. So uh, how about you, Dean? What'd you do? Well, actually, uh, you guys are talking about people not showing up to your game. I actually had all of my players show up to a game. Finally, what the, the dry spell is over. 
until and next session. Yes, I know. Yeah, until <laughs> until they, October. Right. Yes. No, I actually did get a chance to uh, get together and play a game of D&D, and we had a great time. We had a nice four-hour session on a Sunday afternoon, and it was a lot of fun. A um, couple of the characters almost bit the dust. But, uh, I was going to ask you if you killed anybody. No, they're darn close. Darn close, darn close. But as per the usual, I also had a bunch of other things. I got to uh, playtest another scenario in the Conan board game because there's a upcoming convention. I like to do a lot of early prep, even though the convention's not until September. I'll play those games in advance, like two months yeah. in advance. So it's it's a it's a good excuse. Um, I'm still sorting through the multitude of stuff. From the Joan of Arc game, Eric, you need to see this. <laughs> you need to <laughs> I, see I this saw game the pictures, <laughs> but you should see it laid out on the game table and on the floor well, you and on the shelves. Picture was it just a picture of a lot of game stuff and Dean's hair sticking well, up? It has like pile. buildings, unlike the Conan game, which just has like mini figs. Yeah, this one has buildings. What's well, because in Conan game? Does it have burnt a little steak so you can burn her? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's got a lot. Um, So I've been doing that. We had a Carcassonne game night. We had uh, 10 people show up and just playing three games of Carcassonne, which is a lot of fun. Have you ever played that game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, At uh, Scout. Yeah, I I have a copy. Game day, yeah. I think that's Uh, the only time I've ever played. It's a good game. Now, I've got another question. This is a game, although I'm not sure if uh, you've ever played it before. You ever heard of Dartball? No. Dartball? You're probably not in any way, shape, or form associated with the Lutheran Church of America, are you? No. Then that's why you've never heard of it, because it is primarily a Lutheran church type of uh, game. I got a vintage board of of the dartball. It's basically baseball with darts, but it's this... Five by five. Oh, foot. yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen those. So now boards. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And we did that on the 4th of July, and man, is that a hard game. Holy smokes, you would think hitting a board that's five by five would be easy. It is not. No. You're standing, what, 27 feet away? Yeah. And tossing darts. It was a lot of fun. We darts lost. with a twist. Yes, but we lost three to one. Well, the twist is what makes the dart go straighter. If you so. say so. Yeah, something like that. So I used to drink a lot of beer and throw a lot of darts back in the day. Speaking of beer, I had a very happy experience <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> is this game related? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, I was at a local street and beer fest here in Champaign, uh, Urbana and um, actually it was just in Champagne, and I'm sitting there drinking one of my beers and somebody yells out my name and I'm looking around and I'm like who is yelling out my name and this guy is waving at me and so I go over and I talk to him and I recognize him he goes do you know me and I said oh, I'm really bad at names but he did look familiar well apparently he is a listener to my uh, Geekin' with Geikin show on the radio station but he has just now started picking up the Grognards. Sweet. And so, you should already know those three people's name, though. Ah, uh, well, yeah, especially when they live in this area. I did remember his name. His name is Benjamin Buzzboom Miller, and actually he knows a lot of the people that we all kind of game yeah, with. Actually, that yeah. sounds familiar. So yeah. Small world. Yeah. Cool. So um, I bought him a beer. Nice. I bought him a beer. He's slowly making the his way through the grognard. being a grognard listener. Yeah. yeah. Free beer from Dean. <laughs> well, you heard I, it here first. Oh. Well, I had already had more than my Dean? share. I don't think that happens. I had my <laughs> fair share, and I was not about to have another one. So... Nice. All right. Yeah, well, cool. that is our segment. Um, actually, no. Uh, you got more. You got more. There was a little bit more gaming. I think a tiny bit I, more. I, gaming. I haven't oh, gone yet. Eric hasn't gone. I, am I not in the room now? <laughs> Eric is sedate. He's okay. A, he's on well, medication. Screw you, Dean. I'm going to talk about bumper stickers. 
Okay. <laughs> so here's my thing with bumper stickers. Like, I've heard this before. Those pro-life people. I've heard okay, this. That's fine. If you don't believe pro-life, but do you really think somebody's going to be driving down the road, see your bumper sticker and go, oh my God, I was totally wrong. I need to change <laughs> my opinion because of that stupid bumper sticker. Okay. You have said that before and you have actually related that to Facebook and yes. that is so right yeah. on. Like if you have a bumper sticker, you're probably an a-hole. Nobody cares what you believe. Okay. <laughs> Nobody does. Get rid of them. And that leads me to the 26.2. Okay. 26. Uh -huh. Have you seen those little 26.2? Yeah, when you run a marathon? Yeah, when you run oh, a marathon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good for you. I run when I'm chased, and sometimes <laughs> not even then. It depends who's chasing me. Okay. Right. So only, only 30 feet at a time. You ran a marathon. But here's how it relates to gaming. Because if you're going to get your bumper sticker, I want my bumper sticker. Because I just DM'd at MageCon. 24 out of 38 hours. Yay. I ran six four-hour sessions. I should get a damn bumper sticker for that. <laughs> they don't make them. You need to make them. I will have to. Be, it would be like 24 yeah. slash 38 or so. We had a session two-day convention. We had a session eight to noon, one to five, six to ten, two days, ten adventures. Wow. I feel like I ran a marathon. <laughs> yeah. How did you prep in between? Some of them I had run before. So I read okay. all the adventures ahead of time. I was a little, actually, the very last adventure I was a little disappointed in because I think it wasn't a well-written adventure, and I can usually adjust for that because I recognize that, but because I was running so many adventures at that convention, I didn't put as much time into them. Well, it was the last one, too. Yeah, so. it was the last one, mm -hmm. um, and we were a little short on time, so that didn't help. But the boss fight really annoys me. It's an archmage with one little flunky guardsman. This is tier three. So tier three, wow! He yeah, should, the he creeps, should have like the, the players come into the room. They hold monster on the guard, and then the monk unlocks the archmage. So game over, boom, game over. Yeah, that was a very lame final fight. So, but um, yeah, yeah. For some background, though, this uh, it, it's a very local game convention we do here called Mage Con that uh, a buddy of ours, Dan, uh, came up Who's with. Been on the podcast, and he has been on the podcast. Yep, that's the uh, Muhammadary uh, very gaming local. enthusiast. Well, I would say eighty percent of the people that were in <laughs> yeah, the building yeah. lived within five miles oh, of the building. Okay, okay. So and we only that run eight tables. That yeah, is local. And it's 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 a small building. There's eight tables. Uh, last year it was one day. This year it was two. You know, it's you three have sessions. About Fifty people, about eighty. 80. Yeah, we had eighty and, people uh, register. And this year, we introduced Pathfinder into the mix because yeah, we have a large. <sighs> was, there a rumble, was there a rumble in the back room? No, there's only there's, there's no room. back room. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. It's so it's in, in the parking it's lot. It's the community center. It's one, and we're gonna have to expand next year. We're already in yeah. discussion and, about that where yeah. we want to try to move to. If we can get the fire station, they have a great room. It's right it's across beautiful. the parking lot. A lot of space, a lot of tables, big TVs. Even though my taxes paid for that. I don't know if we'll be able to use it. Yeah. God bless America. You may have to rent it. Yeah. Uh, Dan does a wonderful well, job. We don't have a problem renting it. They don't even want to make it available. What? Yeah. Because we'll trash it. Because it's brand new and it's, they don't want anybody using it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they let, that the, is uh, let the Boy Scouts use it and that's Which, about it. Getting back to bumper stickers. Okay. If you're <laughs> driving your car and it gets a scratch, it's a car. Okay. It's not a baby. It's a car. Who the hell cares? It's going to end up in a junkyard. Just treat your car like a car. I don't... What? Yeah. Stuff that's new. People are like anal yeah. about stuff that's new. Can't drink in my car. No. Guess what? After the podcast, Eric's going to go out in well, the, if the clouds yeah. for a while. I'll have to disagree with you. If I pay that much money, you're not drinking or smoking in my car. <laughs> it's a car. It's like a hammer. Do you not hit nails with your hammer because you're afraid it's going to get scratched? No. It's a car. It's transportation. 
Eric's Soapbox. As I was saying, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Dan runs a wonderful convention. He uh, he he uh, gives most of the well, he actually he gives all the GMs and the people that run it uh, little freebies. He uh, 3D prints dice with a con logo on it this year. Cool. We got patches. Um, yeah, everybody gave, who attends gets patches. Gave of the dice. GMs mugs and uh, some really interesting art books with a with a little poetic phrase yeah. on it and uh, and a drawing. It was uh, he kind of went over the top this year. It was uh, it was very nice. Uh, he's he is super thoughtful. Provides snacks and drinks for everybody while you just yeah sit on a there. donation basis, which is nice. Yeah, so, that's pretty uh, cool. It's a good little convention. It's yep, growing. He does a good job. Um, Eric just ran all week. I got to play. I got to play some Adventures League. I ran in uh, four sessions. Stayed up really late the night before making up a character. And in session three, boom, dead, dead, dead. Yeah. Uh, my own damn fault. Uh, he had just made it to, to a second level, and I did something stupid. And uh, yeah, so that character's uh, going in the recycle bin and had to make up another one real quick. But uh, it, I, I had a good time. It was fun and didn't blame anybody but myself. So I guess that's it. Yeah, a lot of gaming. All right. That was our segment, Games People Play. Okay, let's get into the meat of this podcast. And we yeah. are talking about the paladin. The righteous meat. Yeah, so another <laughs> very strong archetype predating D&D. A lot of, you know, most of the classes predated, but they weren't clarified. You know, they weren't particularly clear. Um, but the Paladin was one of those came about, you know, the el- late 11th century. So that predates D&D just by a little bit. You know, the couple years. Chanson de Jest. Have I you guess. read that? Um, no, I can't even pronounce it. I did read a translation of it. Yeah. And wow, I think it was intended entirely for people in the 11th century. I could not <laughs> make heads or tails of it. <laughs> nice. I did read uh, Morte de Arthur in the Middle English, which is... you. It's not too bad. The, yeah. the spelling's a little wacky. Yeah, I actually but, think yeah. I did too. Yeah, you get used to mm-hmm. it after a while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's the matter of France, part of the Carolingian cycle, which is a body of literature about the history of France. So paladins appeared in there. Um, they were, you know, the 12 peers, which the English then stole for the Knights of the Round Table, the 12 Knights of the Round Table. Like, in true English fashion, you know, we steal everything and, <laughs> and make it our own, so... Then, you know, those archetypes, those characters, they, you know, were chivalrous. You know, Christian valor was a a large aspect of it. And generally, you know, they were fighting the Saracens against uh, the invasion of Europe. And then uh, we had the Song of Roland. Yeah. Which is uh, his heroic death, which is not something you really want to recreate with a D&D character. No, no, not at all. But if you're going to die, you want it to be heroic. Yes, I suppose yeah. so. And that's the way you want your D&D character to go out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of chivalry, isn't that... I, it had a uh, kind of a, a very focused intention for being chivalrous. It was basically to take care of the poor and defend the weak, and that was about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, mercy, compassion, yeah. you know, defending those weaker than you. That's always sort of been the... The hallmark of the paladin. Yeah, I know, but now the paladin has expanded. It much has. We're going to talk that. about where it's at now because, and that's part of my my issue with the modern take of it. But you know, let's let's talk about the how it started in D anD D and what it was. So you know, ODD, um, you know, the the little paper booklets uh, got introduced in the Greyhawk supplement, 
and I own the Greyhawk su- supplement for life of me. I can't find it. Otherwise, I would bring it. <sighs> but uh, it's in a box somewhere. Uh, it was, are life. you still living out of a box? Sort of. Yeah, I move again in next month. So, oh yes. Why, why would I unpack? Yeah. Um, so, subclass of the fighting man. Now, apparently one of the influences for Gygax and Arneson was a Paul Anderson novel, Three Hearts and Three Lions. I read that book, but man, it was a long time ago. I, I don't, don't think I ever read that. I was never a big Paul Anderson fan. I know I've read some of his yeah. stuff, but... Do you, you say know, Paul or Poole? It's actually Paul. 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 Okay, I Paul. don't know. Um, I did some research on that book, and one of the things is that it's another book about somebody from the modern day being magically transported to a fantasy world. I don't know that? how many of those there are now from the beginning days of D&D, but there are a lot of them. The other thing I learned is Paul Anderson's daughter, Astrid, which is a great name. I haven't run into that any characters cool with that name, but that would be a good D&D character name. My dog was named Astrid. Really? Okay, well, your dog and your dragon, D&D characters. Astrid? Mm-hmm. That, that was How to Train Your Dragon, yeah. Yep. Um, she's married to Greg Bear, who really? is a science fiction author. Oh, I like so, him. I've, I've read some of his Yeah, I've read He's a good. lot of Greg yeah. Bear. So I sort of have a connection to Paul Anderson, I suppose. They 12 also, degrees of separation. There, yeah, a couple degrees of separation. <laughs> they also apparently, you know, obviously based on King Arthur. And there's a little bit of Papal Guard in there. Really? Yeah. I don't quite follow that. Well, I guess, you know, they're dedicated to a single cause, single purpose. Okay. Holy yeah. Night. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. Holy Night. Yeah. So... So are the papal guard actually knighted or are they just really dedicated recruits? I would think they were. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, now is different because, you know, what modern day, but still. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they were because they had yeah. a million different orders of knighthood back, no back then. And the Catholic Church has been around for quite a while. A couple years. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not positive. Just a few. So that came out ODD. Hmm. First edition. Paladin becomes a subclass of the fighter. You know, uh, fighter, ranger, paladin on those uh, goldenrod yellow character sheets. Mm -hmm. That's how I always remember how they group the classes. I just think of those character sheets. You dressed for it today? Yes, I have my goldenrod Gary Con t shirt on. All we need to do is put, like, you know, Eric's name, player name, (laughs) right at the top. (laughs) I don't know about that. Paladins can only be human. Which is consistent with all the other First restrictions in AD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you th- think about it, it sort of makes sense. Like, we've talked about this before, that the whole limitation of classes and races and such in D&D in 1st edition, it did make sense. And where they were coming from, yes. paladins were clearly a human archetype. Right. You, know, you didn't have a halfling that was, you know... I suppose you could. I mean, the halflings have, you know, virtues and and morals and such, just the same as the humans. Yeah, but... It didn't quite work in the first edition. No, it did, because your halfling was Bilbo Baggins. Right, Well, for lack of a better way of putting it, all the characters in OD&D were stereotypes. They were very narrowly focused stereotypes. Yeah. And and the rules reflected that. And it, it made things simpler and clearer, but it certainly didn't, you know... I've been reading a work bit with a modern audience. online where people are really kind of digging that whole limitation thing. I, I think people are realizing that if you make everything available to everybody, one, you get cookie cutter builds. Yes. And two, everybody just seems to be the same. Right. Like, oh, we don't need a rogue to pick locks because everybody can pick locks. Mm-hmm. 
maybe we're seeing a reversion. There is a strong still, you know, going on old school Renaissance movement. I see a lot of their posts. Just can't call it that anymore. Now, here's the other thing. Palin's had to be lawful. Can't call it what? Well, you just you got to be careful throwing around that old school or OSR term at things. Uh, I don't without, think the term's negative. Some of the people associated with it. Have yeah, there, yeah, there's okay. some people. In certain First, circles. I thought we were going to be offending somebody without knowing we were offending them. Probably are. Okay, I probably am. It's <laughs> today's society. Okay, <laughs> so here's the other aspect that I sort of miss. You had to be lawful good. Yeah, and this. Other component. Let me read directly from the player's handbook. <coughs> Code Eric of will now read yeah. from the Paladins book. must begin as lawful alignment and always remain lawful good or absolutely lose all of the special powers which are given to them. Boom. Gone. Yeah. If you don't act lawful good, you ain't a paladin. You're just a fighter with fancy armor. Which caused a lot of problems in a lot of those games. It did. It really did. If you had a player who kind of went off the, not off the rails, but went a little sideways and the dm was holding hard and fast to the rules or at least the at that point what we call the rules yeah you could just chastise him and say nope no more you're not a paladin anymore you lost all your virtue and everything the the bigger problem was they became like the party policemen because if there's a rogue yeah you know and the way they phrase it in here is law and good deeds are the meat and drink of paladins if they ever knowingly perform an act which is chaotic in nature they must seek a high level seventh level or above cleric of lawful good alignment confess their sin and do penance as prescribed by the cleric if they should ever knowingly and willingly perform an evil act, you lose your status of paladinhood. That'll throw a wrench in gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember back in the day that you used to like have to distract the paladin <laughs> yes. while the rogue did whatever the rogue needed to do. <laughs> right. Is that Elvis over there? Hey, check yeah. that out while you're yeah. looting And the player's the like, wait a second. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they knew the rogue needed to do their stuff too, so they would yeah. usually go along with it. Yeah. That actually did come up uh, in the run that we were doing uh, Saturday morning because we had gone into a tomb and we had a, dwar- a dwarven fighter's tomb or a mausoleum, and we had a dwarven fi- paladin with us, and we really needed to go into that tomb, and he did not even want us going through the door. So he, we sent him off to go do something else for a while. Can, hey, why don't you go check that out over there? And and he was like, okay, I will walk over there where I can't see what's going on and do that. And that's yeah, why yeah. people should be buried with radioactive waste. It prevents that <laughs> oh, tomb robbing. <laughs> Greg, you sparked a memory. I remember yeah. when... Uh, we were playing a game back in the day, as Eric says, and the uh, the paladin literally stood in the way of one of the characters wanting to perform an act, and it came to fisticuffs. No, that could sort totally happen. Super yeah. easy. You mm-hmm. get a chaotic neutral character and a yep. lawful good character together, and, and the fists will fly. That did not bode well for the rest of the game night. Yeah, yeah I think I've had that happen at least once back Back in first edition. Mm-hmm. That's where you Come end up on with some Eric, interp- say it. Back in the day. Back, Back in, in the day. day. We need a little sound effect when we say that. I don't know what it would be. Yeah. But. Chair creaking. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or in this case, Eric's back. He's in pain. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm in pain. <laughs> so they also, first edition, they got their lay on hands ability. They, got, they could cure two hit points per level. But here's the other thing that they changed with new, new edition. Wow. Back then, it was all at once. You laid on hands and you were done <laughs> once per day. Now you dole it out one hit point here, two hit points there. I don't know if I like that or not. I think it's more thematic to the paladins, you know, kneeling over the body and and doing their their mojo. 
It's a little more. At that point, your paladin is kind of just like a little medic with. You're just a, you're just a battery. You're a hit yeah. point battery. Yeah, it's a little more meta than it is uh, mm-hmm. uh, accurate. They you know they were uh, immune to diseases and and fear and all that good stuff. And one thing that was a problem back in early paladins was you needed strength to be able to fight well. You wanted constitution for hit points because you were a frontline fighter. You needed charisma because you were a paladin, and that was your prime stat. So it required you to have a certain number there. And you needed wisdom because you eventually got cleric spells. So it was a hard class to do unless you had some four decently good rolls to Mm -hmm. stick into those stats. Right. So there were a lot of wannabe paladins that never really made the cut just because they didn't have the scores. But, you know, I think paladins were fairly popular in first edition and you've got the book open to the page and at least for me and my guys it was that picture that you're looking at right <laughs> yeah, there yeah fight that. the paladin fighting those demons yeah in hell. i a think paladin that, in hell by sutherland i think that pretty much captured the essence of what the paladin was supposed to be and so many of the people at least in my gaming group picked up on that and that's why they, they chose the paladin now looking at this picture one he's got the kite shield upside down, which yes. some, some people fight that way. But he's the other so thing, hard too, spun it around. <laughs> he's got his weight on his back leg, and he's delivering a blow. Hey, come on. Let's face it. These uh, these artists, they're interpreting what they think is. Yeah, that's you're you're losing a lot of the, the force from that life. blow by shifting your weight back. You really want to be focused his on His arm is oriented completely wrong on the shield in the first place. He would never actually strap his arm in that way. Because if, yeah, yeah, carrying... if you were carrying a shield that's like fair. that, I guess you could. I don't know. He would look good standing still, but not so good uh, if you were fighting with it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's but know, it, still a good picture. It served the purpose of what it needed to do for the book. Iconic of early D&D artwork. Mm-hmm. Now, we started with the original Paladin, and of course, players being players, <laughs> they want to go evil. Because they got tired of doing all the goody-goody yeah, like, stuff. What if I'm like a Paladin, but instead of doing good, I, I do, do evil. evil. So... In July of 1980, Dragon Magazine 39 introduced the Anti-Paladin. That's still pretty early. I remember reading that article. And I love the name Anti-Paladin. Like if you touch one of them and a paladin together, they both like explode or something. It's like the reverse flash. But I actually, I remember I had a player playing an Anti-Paladin for a while in my game. One of my games back is, you know, when I was a teenager because every teenage boy wants to to do that crazy stuff. And then when Fiend Folio (laughs) came out, they included the Death Knight. Which is similar to an anti-paladin, but it has a, a cooler name. Has a cooler name, a <laughs> little more refined. I think the anti-paladin was just as hard to play as a lawful evil or a chaotic evil character. Yeah, it. It. I think it was. I also recall that it might have been overpowered. Yeah, we're not talking about an anti-paladin, so I didn't do any research for that. But the uh, the again, you run into the whole problem with playing an evil campaign. Uh, everybody has to be evil, and then it's just I don't know. It's awkward. Yeah. It's, just chaos at that point so second edition came out they shuffled the groupings around a little bit they uh you know they had kits it became a kit and a complete fighter's handbook so you could be a fighter with like a paladin kit on top of your your fighter class um they eventually came out with the complete paladin's handbook which expanded all kinds of options that was part of the second edition bloat that we talk about so frequently Maybe now it's time to include our bit. Oh, our little song and dance routine? Yeah, so we had, <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking... Greg will be doing what? the dancing, so I'm, else will be doing the singing. Yeah. Nah, that's probably not a good I'm thing. I'm a multi-classer. 
<laughs> no. I love to multi-class. Mm-hmm. What if we multi-classed a paladin with a bard? Hmm. Sort of opposite natures. Hmm. Okay. So, well, yeah. let's let's take a listen. Yeah, let's give it a listen. I would like that. fun at themselves that you know the paladins are are a little full of themselves at time but that was our good friend marcus caparoon yeah he does a good job our, our bard in residence <laughs> Ooh, uh, and, and thanks he's, to him for recording that i appreciate his multi-classing yes it's important to multi-class a <laughs> couple definitely couple a level dip never hurts so where were we talking about now we got up to third edition right came out in 2000 now like most third edition things, they they clarified a lot of stuff. They gave a lot of more powers, it seems. So they could detect undead at will, which I, I was never a big fan of the detect undead. For, in early editions, you could do it through stone and stuff. But new editions, it's like, hey, look at that thing with the flesh falling off its face. That's mm-hmm. an undead. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that you really don't need to roll that. Uh, they still had their immunity to fear and disease. They got a cure disease ability, so they could lay on hands and cure diseases. Then they got their special mount. I think they might have got a mount in AD&D, too. I thought they had, when you uh, mentioned that in the outline, I thought there was a special mount in first edition. There probably was yeah. at, at higher levels. Mm-hmm. I think it was at like ninth level, maybe seventh level. You got your... Uh... No, fourth level. Intelligent Warhorse. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Nice. So, so they got their special their special pony. Can, can we step back real quick since yeah. you got the book open? What were the names of the levels of? Oh pony? yeah, I was thinking about that because that's so, always so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I like these. Level one was Galant. Or a Galant. Galant. I was a Galant. And Keeper, Protector, Defender, Warder, Guardian. Well, Chevalier or yeah, Chevalier, Chevalier, yeah. Justicar, and then you become a Paladin at ninth level. Okay. So pretty pretty cool titles. Not nice. as good as some. I like the rogue rogue mm-hmm. titles. Man. Yes, those are better. So, but the cut person foot pad. <laughs> so third level, they had a paladin code, but now's where we get to. Well, you can play it however you want it. So they had a sort of set paladin code, which was pretty strict, but you were sort of allowed to modify it. And a lot of people did. So you didn't necessarily need. To be the goody two shoes you had been in earlier, you could make some allowances, and a lot of players did based on who they worshipped and how they thought their palette and what their code should be. So you started to come up with a personal code. They could be any race. So they opened up the races, no longer just humans. And then they added the favored race for Paladins was Asimar. I am not familiar with that race at all. Yeah, join the crowd. I'm not uh, a fan of them. Yeah, I, I, they're I, like, and they're sort of celestial, quasi angelic. They're the anti tiefling sort of. Oh, so the, okay, so, that helps a yeah, lot. A tiefling is a human mm-hmm. tinged with demon. Right. A um, is the Asimar the human is a human tinged, tinged with, with an angel. angelic. Okay. And so sometimes they are depicted with wings, I believe. Isn't there a yeah, wing there's, version? There's, it's got another. Yeah, if you really want to go out there, they're a but, fifth edition uh, race. Yeah, they're in fifth. Yeah, edition. no, they're they're I all don't over the place. See very many of them when I'm running. Uh-huh. Occasionally, I'll see one, but not very often. I think I had one in a game this weekend, but uh, it didn't it didn't come up as a thing while we were playing. You know, yeah. Adventures I, League, you where know. nothing really comes up with the characters. So. <laughs> True. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, true. the fourth game I played, I did not know the race of more than half of the characters on the board. You the know, only great. ones, the only ones I knew were the dwarves because we were in a dwarven tomb, and it kept coming up that they had to read dwarven. It still surprises me, Greg, knowing you <laughs> like I do, and how you really enjoy the background and the storytelling and the role playing that you do. Adventures League. I like to play too, and that's kind of if you're. And we it's, talked about this. Yeah. You know, Adventures has, has advantages, but it has yeah. disadvantages. Yeah. yeah, I got to play with a bunch of new people. Uh, got to, I got to, uh, Keith ran something. Yep. Uh, I'd never played with him as Game Master before. That was good. Man, him and the terrain, boy, every every inch that we stepped on, we were stepping on scenery. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he has 3D <laughs> yeah. terrain. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, and, and exquisitely painted miniatures. Yes. In large quantities. Makes the rest of us <laughs> DMs look bad. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, you know, to ask Greg why he plays Adventures League, well, you yeah. played 16 hours of D&D in two days. When yeah. was the last time you were able to do that? Yeah, yeah. I know. And that's that's it's the trade-off you got to make. You know, if you want to if you want to play, you got to, you know, slog through these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. So third edition. Now, they did have some some other rule where if you tried to multi-class as a paladin. You it halted your progression as a paladin. You, you basically right. pegged it there. You still had your abilities. But you could no longer advance as a paladin because you had sort of veered from the path. You yeah, know, you I saw that as kind of an issue purpose. when I was looking into paladins is, is that, yeah, any sort of multi-classing, you're like, you know, well, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm going to give up my oath for a while and I'll come back to it later. That's as a, but I don't think you could as, as a character progression. I see that as a problem. Once you once you step into the paladin shoes, you've got to stay in them. Yeah. 
for good or you're out for good. Which is maybe a little bit of harkening back yeah. to first edition. And I would not mind to see that coming back. It would be cool to have a character class that you could not multi-class in as a rule. Well, that would be all my characters. That's true. <laughs> but I do see a lot of builds that, that include Paladin because Paladins are pretty powerful, which we'll talk about when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I, I, I would like to sit down with that person and say, okay, explain to me the 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 moral and and character background explanation as to how you were a paladin for a couple of weeks but then went and did something else for a yeah, while yeah they Explain would start throwing me. numbers at you yeah and say well you see if i take two levels of paladin i can smite and i can burn a second level spell slot get extra no, 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 no. after no, no, no. i crit yeah so you were this dude who took an oath to follow this particular yeah, see, moral path. You're talking on two different, different paths. paths. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm people, talking to a different people person. People don't multi-class into Paladin because of, well, most people, because thematically it is appropriate. Yeah. And it's a theme that I think Greg is more focused on. He has 13-page character backstory, so. Yeah. We'll have to do, maybe do another podcast about character building at some point here soon. I think think we talked about that we got called out on the internet somebody summoned us and and we think we're going to do that next time yeah i think we should warn people though gen con is right around the corner so there might be a gap after this episode there may be a miss a few weeks where we're not actually putting anything new out yes i'm going to wisconsin you guys are going to gen con we're we're all going to be out of state Mm -hmm. so finish up third edition uh if you were a fallen paladin you became a black guard so similar to how you had the uh, Death Knights and Anti-Paladins, but those were started as such. Now, in 3rd edition, I finally go, hey, if you start as a Paladin, and then you, you for whatever reason, turn away from that, you become a Blackguard. So they had that codified into the rules. 4th edition, normally I say bloodied is the only good thing to come out of 4th edition, which it is, but they expanded Paladin a little bit there. That's when they opened it up to be any alignment. So they Which, didn't care. And true I, to fourth, this yeah. is the other reason I hate fourth edition. There's no more stripping of powers. You just have to feel bad that you broke your oath. <laughs> you know. Well, but that was because it had to let everyone do everything whenever they wanted. Yeah, so. this is the snowflake edition. So. <laughs> and then they added smites <laughs> to your strikes. I'm going to start calling it that. The snowflake, yeah. the snowflake so, edition. Snowflake edition. D&D snowflake edition. <laughs> yeah. They added strikes, smites to strikes, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. We'll talk about that in a second when we get to fifth edition. I think <laughs> we're there. I think we're there. <laughs> so we spent longer than usual talking about fourth edition, a good 30 yeah, seconds. I know. No we, kidding. It was wow. almost a minute. I think we, we got a full we, minute and a half worth of recording time. Could, could continue <laughs> talking about fourth edition, you but compress it. So fifth edition paladins. I see paladins fairly often at the table yes they are quite popular they're a good class to play you have armor you can dish out it's the smiting everybody wants to do the arguably smiting. arguably the most damage i mean you're you're not the highest damage dealer topped out but you're close to it uh, and it's it's damage it's hard to resist because melee damage unlike spells there's no saving throw and Usually the only resistance is you need a magical weapon. By the time you get above a certain level, you have a magical weapon. So it's a popular class to play. And you have healing abilities and some spellcasting abilities. It's an all-around catch-all. Not as good as my character Grim, because you can't counterspell. But <laughs> still, it's a it's a really popular, popular class. So the first thing you get, you get Divine Sense. That's, again, that ability to sense... Uh, so 
well, undead, celestials, uh, or fiends. That's it. Undead, celestial, or fiends. Within 60 feet, that's not behind total cover. The most useless ability in the book. <laughs> <laughs> because you can oh, already literally mm. see it. Right. <laughs> and then you have to sense it. Use an action to sense it. So yeah. when everybody else is killing the zombie, you're just confirming it's a zombie. You get lay on hands, but now lay on hands instead of two times your paladin level, like it was in AD&D, it's five times your paladin level, which is a lot of healing considering that a first level cleric casting a cure wound spell cures 1d8 plus three in most cases, yeah. which is seven and a half on average. You're, and that's variable. It could cure as little as four or as many as... 11, mm-hmm. but the Paladin's guaranteed five points. You can just pump five. It's almost equivalent, which might make it a little too overpowered. At second level, you get to choose your fighting style. You can be, go defensive, you get a plus one bonus to your AC. Dueling, if you have a weapon in each hand, you get a plus two bonus to damage rolls with... Oh, sorry. Sorry, single weapon. Dueling, single weapon, you get a plus two damage with... Plus two damage. Go back. Go yes. back. Dueling. When you're wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you get a plus two bonus to damage rolls. Yes. Okay. There you go. With that weapon, of course. Yes. Great <laughs> weapon fighting, and this is what I see a lot of, is that if you roll a one or two on your attack damage die, right. you get to re-roll that die. Yeah, yeah that's nice. That, and that a lot of a paladins lot. use great swords, so mm-hmm. you're rolling D6s. So there's two dice you could actually roll a one or a two on and get to re-roll. Those are some nice odds. Yes. Or protection, which is if a creature within five feet of you attacks an ally, or a creature attacks an ally within five feet of you, you get to use your reaction to impose disadvantage on that attack, which means you're interposing like your shield or... But you have to be wielding a shield for this to make to be used. It says you must be yes, wielding a shield. you have to be using a shield. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because if you chose that form, you're probably going to be using mm-hmm. a shield. So right. paladins, I don't see a lot of def- protection paladins because people like to, you know, they like big crits and they cannot lie. So <laughs> most paladins go for the, the great sword. Great sword route. You also get spell casting. You get cleric spells or you get paladin spells that are mostly clerical cleric spell yeah. lists. Right. With the addition of those smites. I almost never see paladins cast any spells because their smiting abilities burn spell slots. To up their damage, they yeah, burn their yeah. spell slots. So they usually use their spell slots for their smiting ability. But the party also, a lot of times I've noticed, like, say, get, smite him, smite him, smite him. Everybody's like, all the rest of the players are going, smite, 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 smite. And like he's Beavis okay. And yeah. Uh, saw that, huh? They, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. It seems like poor game design. When you think yeah. about it, you're, you're going to give a player ability A with an option to use it this way, but nobody uses it the ability A way. Yeah. They all use it the option way. That is the sad fact of this, yeah. Which makes you think, why are you even giving them that ability? And I think I also have a problem with, with the smites, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> the only time I see them cast their spells is like for uh, restorations. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. I've got a fifth level paladin in my campaign, and I can't 
recall when he actually cast a spell. No, they just don't. I they just, just burn yeah. their spell slots. I mean, if if somebody's dying on the ground of poison or something, maybe you'll you'll see something. But generally, they just use it for the next ability, which is Divine Smite. So when they hit a creature with a melee attack, they can expend one spell slot to deal radiant damage to the target in addition to the normal damage. The extra damage is 2d8 for a first-level spell slot and adds a d8 for every slot higher than that up to a maximum of 5d8. And you get an extra d8 if the target is an undead or a fiend. So this is where the paladins all burn their spell slots. Mm-hmm. Their spy. And that's true. Part of the problem is that after they hit a creature, so you get the biggest cheese in 5th edition, which is, oh, look, I rolled a 20. I'm burning my highest-level spell slot. So that I, because I know I critted, so I get to double all those dice. Yes. I hate that. <laughs> that is lame. In my home game. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> you have to declare your smite before, before the roll. Not a bad thing. Yeah. You can smite after the roll, but it's not critted if you decide to smite after you have already rolled. Okay. So if you do roll the 20 and you're like, Oh, I want to use smite. my smite. You're that, fine. Okay. You can still smite, but you're not getting double dice on, on the smite. Okay, so you still allow them to choose the, the smite, even though yeah, they and didn't if they declare miss, it they obviously the roll. don't use it. Right. But they're say they can just say, I'm smiting, you know, second level smite on this attack. Boom, if they crit, everything gets doubled. If they don't, they just do their normal smite. If they had not declared smiting and then roll a crit, they can still smite, but I'm not I don't double the crit. Yeah, makes the sense. Dice for the smite. They now, know they're hitting and getting through the armor class, so... That's very wordy. Yeah. And it doesn't make combat flow quicker. It slows combat <laughs> down a little. Players like to do that. Which gets me back to why have we tied smites to spell slots? There has to be a better way. I don't know what it is. I haven't given it that much thought, but... It should almost be a separate category. You should have number of smites yes. and then number of like spells. Like Barbarian rage. Yes, no, exactly. That's exactly what I was X thinking. X number uh, of rages tie, per day. Make it like Paladin a rage. should get X number of smites yeah. and just base it on their level. I mean, it kind of is. It's a righteous rage is what it basically is. Yeah. It's just smite is a righteous Ooh, I rage. I like that. That should be in so, there instead yeah. of Divine Smite. Yeah. Righteous rage. Yeah, I need to I need to get a hold of, uh, you know, uh, Merle's and them. And Merle's and know. Crawford. And yeah, let them know. The rest of them. Well, I'm sure they're listening, so maybe they'll they'll take I forgot about that. Right. This is where they get all their ideas. Yeah. Divine Health. Hey, it is, because every time we do a podcast, they have something on D&D Beyond that follows up right with it. Yes. True. True story. Maybe. (laughs) I'll have to pay closer attention to that. Divine Health. Paladins can never get venereal disease. Yep. That is important in a medieval setting. They got a tetanus shot. Yeah. Which, you know. I don't know how often they were picking it up, but now at third level, they're good. <laughs> yep. They don't have to worry about that anymore. Clyde didn't have to worry about that on his uh, little That's succubus true. experience. So, That's yeah. true. Although I did find out, did we mention this, that apparently succubi, succubi, succubuses don't bear their young? Apparently they... Oh yeah, they, they give the they, baby to an incubus who raises it or bears it or something. Yeah. Some, there's some weird mythology around that. Really? Yeah, I, hmm. I haven't looked it up in greater detail, but somebody you mean has the a incubus comment. incubates it. Maybe that's why they're incubuses yeah. <laughs> for incubation. Uh, uh, actually, another podcast I listen to that uh, does drill downs on creatures. There, I believe the one that just dropped last week is about uh, succubus and succubi and incubi. So, well, do some I'll research that on listen. that. Let me know how how the various buses bear their young <laughs> buses and buys. Yes. Okay. So, paladins then at third level get to 
declare a sacred oath, and we're going to talk about all of those. They get some spells associated with those, and they get some channel divinity options, just like the oath that binds you as a paladin forever. Yes, and there are, I don't know, seven or eight of those. We're going to talk about those in a second, but let's finish just the generic class abilities. They get that extra attack at fifth level. That's the best they're going to get, two attacks per, per attack action. At 10th, no, sorry. At 6th level, they get the Aura of Protection. This is another Paladin ability that's really popular. Everybody wants to be next to the Paladin. <laughs> because if you're within a certain distance, you get bonuses on your saving throws. On all saves. So it's normally within 10 feet, but at 18th level, it goes out to 30 feet. And that's pretty important <laughs> at higher levels. Wow, that's a lot. That's you're a making line. a lot of saves. I mean, I've played adventures where I've got hit with two or three Meteor Storms. And everybody definitely wants to be near the Paladin when you're getting hit with Meteor Storm. <laughs> and it makes Paladin feels like he has friends. Yes. Because everybody wants to be near well, him. And, and, and their the characters are kind of boring anyway because they have all these oaths and they're not yes. getting venereal yes. diseases, so they need the friends. So it's like fake friends, but they hang yeah. out around the Paladin. Sure. At 10th level, you have the Aura of Courage, which means you creatures within 10 feet can't be frightened which would be important for Greg's character because he always fails, she always fails fright checks. Yeah, but I'm also never near the paladin because I'm hanging back, lobbing arrows in, so yeah. I get the scareds. It's a pattern with Greg. He tends to put himself into precarious situations <laughs> on purpose, and then bad <laughs> things happen to him. The drama queen. <laughs> Probably. 11th level, improved divine smite. So now every strike gets an extra D8 radiant. And you can still use your Divine Smite and tack that on. So you're doing another, which is, I guess, that's good. And they're getting two strikes a turn. So maybe a combination of Berserker or Ra Righteous Rage and this, that makes you feel like a Paladin. And then at 14th level, Cleansing Touch. You can clear other, uh, clean other people of venereal diseases. You can, uh, you know, use a uh, number of times equal to your Charisma you can end one spell on yourself or other unwilling creature that you touch. That's actually pretty handy, except it uses your action. Yeah. The so if there's, if there's really a nasty spell, like a hold spell or something like that, uh, yeah. that's, that's neutralizing your wizard, I could <laughs> see it would definitely be worth it then. It's your health department paladin. Yes. Yeah. Problem being, the paladin is usually in the front fighting the baddies, and the wizard's usually in the back, and who knows if they can the get back that far. <laughs> no, but you don't even hang back with the wizard. You move like 40 feet to the side of the wizard. That's because people are always targeting the wizard. <laughs> That's true. I want that partial cover, and I want to be 100 feet away where nobody can see me yeah. or do anything to me. Just because we always go sidetracks. Like, positioning in D&D can be pretty tricky because mm -hmm. you don't want to be in fireball range. Yes, I like to be away from fireball range. But with all these paladin abilities... Yeah. Like, you want to be grouped up. Yeah. You the, get that protection if you're grouped up. You get the yeah, protection a, against fear if you're grouped up. It's a serious dilemma. They can break those spell effects. They can do all that stuff. So yeah. it's it's always tricky. <clears throat> Sacred Oaths. So with Paris Handbook Oaths, we have the Oath of Devotion. Uh, you know, you bind yourself to the loftiest, loftiest, loftiest <laughs> ideals of justice, virtue, and order. Hopelessly devoted And these are to like you. cavaliers. Right. This is your, what you think of as your cavalier. <clears throat> your channel divinity, you can make your weapon 
sacred. You can imbue it with positive energy. And for one minute, you add your charisma modifier to attack rolls made with that weapon. And it also sheds light. Yeah, that's that's okay. You're, again, you still need pretty good stats to be a paladin because you want the strength for the weapon and the charisma for the abilities. A lot of abilities are charisma-based. You can also turn the unholy. So you can turn fiends and undead using channel divinity. At 7th level, you make you have an, sort of an aura that makes you immune to charm and creatures around you immune to charm as long as you're still conscious. It starts at 10 feet, then it goes to 30 feet. 15th level, purity of spirit. Uh, you are always under the effects of protection from good and evil spell. And that just basically makes it so that monsters have a hard time attacking you, which might not be a good thing. I mean, if they're attacking you and missing, that's good, but you don't want them attacking someone else because you have that protection spell on yourself, like the wizard. And at 20th level, you get Holy Nimbus. So for one minute, you have bright light shining forth from you. Like if people didn't know that you were a pain in the ass before, now you glow like the sun. (laughs) Yes, but any creature that starts to turn in that light takes 10 radiant radiant damage. But here's the thing. You're 20th level. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. People should be afraid of you anyway. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's it's sort of lame. And it is... You have advantage saving throws against spells. It fits cast with the whole idea of the holy warrior. Yeah, I mean, ten damage if you're surrounded by a lot of creatures. Like if you're traveling mm-hmm. in hell, like in the player's handbook picture. Yeah, that'd be sort of cool. Or you need to clean out a cobalt warren. You just walk through. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's called genocide, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that that holds true for paladin ideals. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we know Dean likes to role play genocide. So <laughs> <laughs> it did happen one time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, second player's handbook oath. Oath of the Ancients. And these are like like Fey Knights or Green Knights, so they're sort of elvy or woodland based paladins. And they you know preserve preserve the ancient secrets of the woods. Hippie paladins. Yeah, they're sort of hippie paladins. So they'd get along with the druids well? Yeah, yeah. They'd be best buddies and the as yeah. long as the druids are lawful good. Mm. <laughs> well, no, you don't have to be You don't have to be anymore. anymore. Wow. Yeah. So they could be anything. So <laughs> your channel divinity is you can use uh, nature's wrath to ensnare a foe. So you use an action and basically vines grab, grab your foe, which, okay, that's okay. And then again, you can turn the faithless and you present your holy symbol and it affects fiends. I don't even know if fiends it and, Fiends and Fae. Fiends and Fae. So they, they get rid of undead. Instead, you're you're using it to protect against Fae, because some of those Fae are pretty sketchy. They're one of my favorite favorite races, by the way. I love the Fae. <laughs> Seventh level aura of warding. Uh, ancient magic lies so heavily upon you that it forms an eldritch ward. You and friendly creatures within 10 feet have resistance to damage from spell. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, you're having all the damage from spells, and then it expends a 30 feet at 18th level. So that's a good ability. That's, that's arguably uh, one of the more powerful abilities we've discussed so far. At 15th level, you're an undying sentinel. When you're reduced to zero hit points and not killed outright, you can choose to drop to one hit point instead. 
Uh, you can only do this once per long rest. So basically, a lot of classes have this ability. Half orcs get it. I think barbarian, one of the barbarian paths, gets mm-hmm. it. Um, so when the first time you go down, you don't actually go down. Also, it says that you suffer none of the drawbacks of old age and cannot be aged magically. How often do players <laughs> consider their age? And how I'm much- sure some campaigns have been going on long uh-huh. enough that you have some some older characters. Yeah. I mean, if you keep track. Right. And that's what I was asking. Do they keep track of that type of stuff? Are they forever young? Well, here's the thing about aging like that. And this has come up all the way back because I believe monks had that in first edition D&D where they Hmm. they stopped aging. Mm -hmm. You still die from old age. Right. You just go from being like a perfectly healthy spry 20-something to a dead 100-year-old dude. You're like Dick Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Are you saying that Dick Clark might have been a paladin? Maybe. That's yeah. more of a monk. Hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> The music monk. I mean, it's definitely a ribbon ability. Early D&D yeah. had aging effects, though. I remember applying yes. those to characters. Yes. As you hit a new age bracket, you would... Certain things happen, like your your wisdom went up and your strength, strength went down. Strength went down. Mm-hmm. Throw your back out, Andre. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ooh. Did Eric level up over the weekend? <laughs> he and he's have. just he may have. slightly bracket. older. I did just have a birthday yeah. last month. So, so what happened? So your, 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 your strength and constitution went down, but your wisdom went up? I don't, I'm not sure about the wisdom part because I'm, <laughs> I'm still here doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> maybe that was his intelligence that went down. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> it's just a, the senility starting to set in. Yeah. So 20th level, you're an elder champion and you can assume the form of an ancient force of nature taking on any appearance you choose. That's kind of vague. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Uh, you know... <laughs> For They gave a couple examples. Your skin might turn green or take on a bark-like texture. Your hair might become leafy or moss-like. Or you might sprout antlers or a lion-like mane. That sounds like a, like, remember Cats on Broadway? Where they had those, like, fun, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I, that's what, what just popped into my head. the cat's ability. Greg, you're absolutely right. You assume the form of an ancient force of nature. A force of nature is a hurricane. Like the green or a, man, I think. There's yeah, I think that's okay. where they're kind of going. So you get yeah. a bunch of stuff that happens when you yeah. do this. You should get bark skin. For one minute, you regenerate 10 per hit points per round. Mm. You can cast spells with a cast of one action as a bonus action instead, nice. as if any paladins actually cast spells. <laughs> and enemy creatures have disadvantage on saving throws against your paladin spells and channel divinity options. So you should be throwing spells because they're going to have disadvantage to hit them. That's, that's okay. I mean... It's kind of a cool ability. It just has a weird explanation. Yes. <laughs> and... And like I said, you're 20th level by that point. So you're all gonna you're gonna have all your spells. You could do all kinds of cool stuff. I don't see a lot of of Oath the Ancients Paladins. The next one, on the other hand, Oath of Vengeance. I see a lot of Oath of Vengeance <laughs> mm-hmm. Paladins. You have made a solemn commitment to punish those who have committed <laughs> committed a grievous sin, yeah. which ideally turns out to be anyone the paladin fights. Yeah, the Frank Castle yeah, paladin. Like, yeah. wait a minute, you're attacking me? That's a sin. I now need to punish you. Because yeah. everybody knows I'm a good guy. <laughs> uh, the uh, player in my group right now, he is a, uh, a vengeance paladin. And Greg, yeah, he's kind of on a whole genocidal type yeah. of... Yeah, uh, the Frank Castle Paladin, mm-hmm. yeah. Machine yep. got him down. Yeah, he uh, he took no prisoners in the last uh, last session. Now, we haven't talked a lot about the spells these Paladins get, but Oath of Vengeance Paladins get two spells that I just sort of want to, well, three spells, really. They get 
Hunter, uh, Hunter's Mark, which they can use your bonus action to mark a target, get an extra D6. Yep, that's And nice. then you can move it around. At fifth level, they get Misty Step, which is one of the best spells in the game. Use a bonus action, poof, 20 feet. Yeah. Especially useful for escaping grapples. Somebody grapples me, Misty Step, boom, mm-hmm. no longer mm-hmm. grappled. Ninth level, get you out they of, get uh, haste. Well, I was going to say, they get you out of attacks of opportunity, too, doesn't it? The Misty Step? Yes. Yeah, yeah. no attack of opportunity on that. At ninth level, they get haste, which means they get an yeah. extra attack. Not an extra attack, action. They only get one extra attack. So that brings them up to three. Always and they've nice. probably hundred marked, and they're going to be smiting. Paladins roll a lot of dice when they hit. That's that's the lesson to say. Yeah. Stock up on your D8s. The only... The only upside, for as far as the game master is concerned, is a lot of those are uh, concentration spells, so you can't be doing more yeah, than one at a time. Yeah, but you know what? Like Hunter's Mark is, I know. I believe Paladins are proficient in Constitution saving throws. Let me just look really quick. They get for saving throws. Oh no, Wisdom and Charisma—they're not. Yeah, but you probably have a decent Constitution anyway. No, but but you can't throw more. It's concentration, so you can't have more than one of them. Yeah, but what else? So. That's true. They can't so once you throw that hunter's, hunter's mark, mark, you want to keep that thing going because yes. then you just transfer it over and you don't have to cast it as a spell again. So once you have to break that hunter's mark, then there goes a spell slot. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the channel divinity options, they can abjure enemies. So you present your holy symbol and pick a creature within 60 feet. They have to make a wisdom saving throw. And if they fail, they're frightened for one minute or until they take damage. So basically, you get one creature out of the mix. Their speed becomes zero, so they can't even run away like a lot of friends. So they just stand there and wait for you to kill all their buddies. Yeah. And then everybody jumps on that creature. Even if they succeed, their speed is halved uh, for one minute or until they take damage. So that's decent. Yeah. They also get their vow of enmity. So as a bonus action, they target a creature within 10 feet. You get advantage against that creature for one minute or until it uh, drops to zero hit points or falls unconscious. That's the one I see used a lot. You know, you see your big boss guy, you just valve amnity it, you get advantage till it's dead. If it takes more than a minute to kill it, you're probably going to be the one dead anyway. That's fair. Those are some pretty powerful abilities for third level. You know, advantage yeah. on every attack against one creature once a day. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Just pick your creature well. Seventh level, Relentless Avenger. If you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, you can immediately move up to half your speed after the attack as part of the same reaction, and your movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. So you basically chase Ooh, after nice. creatures. Yeah. They're not getting away from the paladin. And anything that gets you out of an opportunity attack, I'm a big fan of. Yes. That is handy. 15th level, Soul of Vengeance. If the creature that you have your Valve Enmity on attacks at all, you get to use your reaction to make an attack, melee attack against him or her or whatever it is. So it's like an extra attack every round. Just, oh, Hmm. you're going to attack anything? I'm going to hit you back. I like that. That is pretty good. But it does use your reaction. So you might not want to do it every time but you have that ability at 20th level avenging angel this one sounds really good for role-playing yes you assume the form of an angelic avenger and using your action you have to you undergo the transformation you get wings Woo-hoo. and a flying speed of 60 feet and your name changes to red bull 
Yes. <laughs> Red Bull gives you wings. You could. You could have like, if you were a tiefling, you could have horns even. <laughs> and so not only do you get wings and 60 foot flying speed, you emanate an aura of menace within 30 feet. The first time a creature enters the aura or starts its turn there during a battle, they have to make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you for one minute or until it takes damage and attack rolls against that creature have advantage. Anybody's attack rolls, apparently. So that's... It does not define whether it's yours or anybody else's. Yeah, and 30 foot is a is a big aura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty massive. Now, you only get that once per long rest, but it's a pretty powerful ability. So that seems to be a... a proper allocation of how often you can do it right um actually the last one just provoked an off-topic question for me is there any time that you get more than one reaction no there's no situation at all in the game where you get more than one reaction no okay and another one that people mess up is and although they clarified it in the errata a lot of people think that during action surge you get an additional bonus action or an additional reaction. Yeah. But so you, you, you only ever get one bonus action and one reaction ever in any situation in Dungeons and Dragons. Correct. Okay. Yes. It's checking. Yeah. And if you could get more, that would break a lot of things. Yes, it would. Truthfully. Yeah. Now, there's a couple other oaths that came out. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Xanathar's, we have some additional. We have two additional oaths. And in... Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, we had an additional oath. Oh, yeah, I couldn't remember where those were. Now, the Sword Coast, we could we could talk about that one first. I'm not a fan of this one. I don't really like the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, but it's You've the oath of the before. crown. It's, yeah, it's, it's the oath it, of the crown. It's very Forgotten Realms and, you know, Eric and Forgotten Realms. Exactly. <laughs> and basically, you're pledging your service to a king or whatever. Some so other Forgotten you're Realms person. Holy, oh, holy uppity up, you know, the... <laughs> The, the upper class. <laughs> the holy uppity up. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like a bad combination for paladins. They're already full of themselves. Now they get to be royal. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what's up with these guys? So, Oath of the Crown. The crown. You get a champion challenge. You can challenge a creature to do battle. So, what you're kind of doing anyway. Yeah. Each creature with it. So, it's not just challenging one creature, you're challenging everybody <laughs> within 30 feet. Oh, jeez. Wisdom saving. You get to pick them, though. It's the arrogant jerk feature. Yeah. <laughs> this is your typical paladin. I challenge you all. <laughs> if they fail, they can't willingly move more than 30 feet away from you. So, basically, they all have to, like, stay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, crap. We're stuck here now. We got to fight this dude. <laughs> you also get turned to tide as a bonus action. You can bolster injured creatures with your channel divinity. So, anybody that can hear you within 30 feet regains hit points, 1d6 plus your charisma. Okay, that's if it nice. has no yeah, more than cool. half of its hit points. So, it's a little, like a little healing burst. Oh, you have to have more than half of your hit points? If it has no more than half. No more than half. So it has to be below half. Okay, good. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah, that it would be more handy that way. And and this falls into abilities that are only useful when I'm losing. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I I, I I prefer not to be below half hit points to begin with. Although, Greg, you know. I'm there all the time. You're there all the time. Yeah. You should also just start the adventure at half hit points. I might as well. (laughs) At seventh level, you get Divine Allegiance. So when a creature within five feet of you takes damage, you can 
Use your reaction to magically substitute, <laughs> they should put that in quotes, your own health for that of the target creature, causing that creature not to take damage. Instead, you take the damage. You just jumped in front of the thing. Yeah. Why is it yeah. magically substitute? Yeah. yeah. Like, you're, if it was within five feet, yeah. you just jumped in front. Yeah, yeah. Like You took a bullet. Although, I guess there are some types of damage. What if it's like psychic damage? Yeah, that's, mm. that's fair. I don't know. So... That's probably why they uh, phrased it like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm always in favor of paladins taking more damage, though, so <laughs> I guess I have to like that one. 15th level, unyielding spirit. You gain advantage on saving throws to avoid becoming, becoming paralyzed and stunned. Stupid ability. Because as a paladin, you already have your aura up. You're probably, your saves are probably already really good. How often are you making a saving throw to avoid paralysis or stunning? Not very, but that's one of your entire abilities for your oath. 20th level, Exalted Champion. Your presence on the field of battle is an inspiration to those dedicated to your cause. (laughs) This is is like the douchebag paladin. Yeah, it kind of that totally is. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. You can use your action to gain one of the following benefits for one hour. Basically standing on a cliff, overlooking the battlefield, posing Yes. Dramatically. Yes. While everybody within 30 feet is wanting to attack you. It's, it's and <laughs> below half hit points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can get one of the benefits. You have resistance to bludging, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical weapons. Your 20th level. Okay. Yeah. Most creatures' attacks <laughs> count as magical. So guess what? That's useless. Your allies have advantage on death saving throws while 30 feet in front of you. If your allies are making death saving, saving throws, throws, you're a crappy paladin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You should be healing them. Mm-hmm. And you have advantage on wisdom saving throws, as do your allies within 30 feet of you. Again, your holy aura goes out 30 feet. Not a fan of your capstone ability. That's kind of lame. Oath the whole of thing the crown. Lame. All three of those abilities are mediocre at best. All right. Well, we better put the cap on that one. Yes. So Sword Coast continues to be disappointing. Xanathar's, on the other hand. It's it's always Xanathar's is always cooler. I like that book. Yes. Xanathar's and, and, and Bolos are, are my favorite two mm-hmm. books. Yes, they are better balanced. So uh the Oath of Conquest that came out. You seek glory in battle and the subjugation of their enemies. Ooh. The lamentation. Crush your, uh, crush your enemies and drive them before you. Yes. yes. The whole Conan thing. Yeah. Yeah. They. It's not enough that they establish order. They must crush the forces of chaos. Dean got all excited yeah, there. That's nice. <laughs> I see. I do see so, a lot of conquest paladins as well. Channel divinity pro, uh, options. You can exude a terrifying presence, which is wisdom saving throw, or creatures within 30 feet become feared, or guided strike. And this one is good. Uh, you can use your channel divinity to gain a plus 10 bonus on your roll, and you can declare it after the roll has been rolled, but before the outcome is is determined. A plus 10 is going to turn almost any miss mm-hmm. into a hit, unless you roll a one. Right. At, at you know, you're going you're gonna to end up hitting, and it's a guaranteed hit. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's a good, good ability. Aura of Conquest, seventh level. You constantly emanate a menacing auras when you're not incapacitated, 10 feet in every direction. So basically everything's frightened of you just as a rule unless they make their save <laughs> constantly, which must make going into town interesting. <laughs> hey, can I just get a drink around here? So if they're frightened of you, <laughs> no. their speed zero and they take psychic damage equal to half your paladin level if it starts its turn within your aura. And at 18th level, it goes out to 30 feet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not the guy you go clubbing with. 
Yeah. And, which which does beg the question, what happens when you do go into town? Yeah. <laughs> like you're just killing people. <laughs> I'm assuming you can turn it on and off. Yeah. The bamf ability. It says you constantly emanate. Yeah. Yeah. No. What about your fellow players? Yeah. I mean... Everyone I'm sure there's probably some sage advice on that yeah. somewhere. Fifteenth uh, level, scornful rebuke. Those who dare to strike you are <laughs> psychically punished for their audacity. <laughs> I love that you attack. To be fair, this is one of the better explained yes. <laughs> class or uh, subclasses. Whenever they hit you, they take psychic damage equal to your charisma modifier. <laughs> if you're not incapacitated, that's just all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sort of cool. Uh, level twenty. Invincible Conqueror, you gain the ability to harness extraordinary martial prowess. Uh, as an action, you can become magically, uh, magically become an avatar of conquest and gain one of the following abilities for one minute. So, first no, one, gaining, resistance gaining to the all following damage. abilities for one minute. All getting all of these. Oh, for a minute. sorry. Yeah, correct. A whole you lot. Get all of it. Level first one, resistance to all damage. Now let's think <laughs> back to Sword Coast Adventures guide. Yeah, right. You got one of them, and one of them was resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical. This dude's getting resistance to all damage. All damage. Yeah, that seems more appropriate. Your 20th level. Yeah. Second one, when you take the attack action, you can make an additional attack as part of that action. And you crit on a 19 or a 20 instead of just 20. Yeah, that's super cool. I like that this whole thing. That is super cool. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a good one. And use it once per long once rest. Once per long rest. Yeah. yeah. Which is a boss fight ability. Yeah. I'm going to use my boss fight ability. Yeah, you save that to the end and then wham. Or you could use it in town for the one person who does not run away from you and or die immediately <laughs> yeah. from the psychic damage. <laughs> you could just like cut down like the shopkeeper that's just sold you the the new armor or something. Yeah, he's like, trying oh. to rip you off. And yeah. So, yeah, you just. Or the yeah. barmaid who will not serve you your proper drink. I'm going to have to look up that uh, that aura issue because that could be fun to pull on players. Yeah. Yeah, you walk into town yeah. and people start running. <laughs> Well, we just we just need to find a horse. Nope. Every, no. All the horses run. Let's go talk to the barkeep. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Everybody heads out the back door of the inn. Yeah. Look, there's a guy in the corner in the dark. Let's go talk to him. Nope. Yeah. The the oath of conquest now, is the what if you run into paladin. what if you run into somebody else with an oath of conquest? What happens when those auras when auras clash? Yeah, I so, don't know. I don't they, know. they would just have a stare down. Maybe we're asking all the good questions <laughs> today. So the last one, oath of redemption. It sets the paladin on a difficult path, one that requires a holy warrior to use violence only as a last resort. You, you know what I see this this one is? This is the Jedi paladin. Okay. It I totally see. is the Jedi okay. paladin. Okay, I yeah, can read, see read, that. I can read this, and once you read this off, every aspect of this says Jedi paladin. Yeah. Now, mm. I have had players try to play pacifist characters in D&D. Yeah. Doesn't work that well. No. Well, they do explain that here right away, in that you're, you know... Basically, intelligent, potentially good creatures deserve your attention, but anything even remotely monstrous is irredeemable, and you're going to put the smack down on it right away. They they explain that very well right in the first paragraph here. I did read before wow. this time. That's good. <laughs> now, for people who do wish to be nonviolent or pacifist, remember, you can turn any melee attack into a subdual attack after the creature has fallen. Like... You roll, and if they say yes, that drops the creature zero hit points, you can say, I want it to subdue. That's part of the rules. You don't have to declare it before. Really? I did not know that. Yes, you can say, no, that I wanted to make that a subdual strike. 
The other thing, it's any melee attack. A lot of people think no, all spells are lethal, but in fact, if it's a melee spell attack, like Shock and Grasp, mm-hmm. you can make that non-lethal. Really? Yes, because it counts as a melee attack. It's oh. a melee spell attack. Well, the more you know. That's right. It's a little, you need a little icon to flash across the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> so they're oaths, or they're channel divinities. So they get Emissary of Peace. They can... Grant you, you can grant yourself a plus five bonus to charisma persuasion checks for next ten minutes. So you're you can talk your way out of things yeah. hopefully, or you can rebuke the violent. So you can rebuke those who move, use violence immediately after an attacker within thirty feet deals damage. You can force them to make a wisdom saving throw, and if they fail, they take radiant damage equal to the damage just dealt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even Bounce if they back. save, they yeah. take half the damage. Yeah, yeah. That emissary piece, I see that as the that uh, these are the droids you're looking for uh, ability there. Yeah, yeah, and that is pretty powerful That's against cool. a big creature that dishes out a lot of damage. At third level. And it scales with level because the creatures you fight at higher levels do more damage. So that's a pretty good ability. Yeah. At seventh level, you get an aura of the guardian. You can shield others from harm at the cost of your own health. So within 10 feet, you can use your reaction to take the damage instead. Like that other oath we just talked about. But it's uh, 10 feet and you just take take all the damage. But it's, at 18th level, it increases at 18th to 30th. Is 30 feet. Which, if you're going to build one of these, maybe take that feat that gives you plus two hit points per level, because then you could be like a big old hit point battery for everybody else in the party, yeah. especially the wizard. 15th level, Protective Spirit. Your Holy Presence mends battle wounds in battle. You can you regain hit points equal to 1d6 plus half your paladin level if you end your turn in combat with fewer than half the hit points remaining and you aren't incapacitated. And that's up perpetually. Yeah. So basically, they need to take you out, or you're just going to bounce back. Bounce back to half. Yeah, that's nice. At 20th level, Emissary of Redemption. You become an Avatar of Peace. You gain two benefits. You have resistance to all damage dealt by other creatures. All damage by their (laughs) attack spells and other effects. Yeah, they even explained it out on this one here, just in case you you were vague on the other one. Yeah. And whenever a creature hits you with an attack, it takes radiant damage equal to half the damage you take from the attack. So anytime it hits you with an attack, and not everything's an attack, right? It has to yeah. have an attack roll. Mm-hmm. And if you attack a creature, cast a spell, or deal damage by other means, neither benefit works against that creature until you finish the long rest. So basically, as long as you're not attacking it, you're going to have these abilities against it. Which, you know... It's cool in a crowd. It's cool in a crowd. So it's, a, yeah. it's definitely more of a role play oath than some of the others, but see a lot of vengeance, see a lot of... The one we didn't talk about. Oh, the Oathbreaker. There you go. Yeah, we have one more. (laughs) Now, this one's in the Dungeon Master's Guide, and basically, it's like a fallen paladin, which, since AD&D has been a thing, right? Everybody... the, The second question after, can I be a paladin, is can I be an evil paladin, or... A fallen paladin yeah. or whatever they want to call it. In their the description says an oathbreaker is a paladin who breaks his or her sacred oath to pursue some dark ambition or serve an evil power. Whatever light burned in the paladin's heart has been extinguished. Yes. Only darkness remains. <laughs> Very dramatic. Yes. And you have to be evil and you have to obviously be at least third level so you can take an oath. So you can be a drow oathbreaker repl- paladin. Yeah. And it replaces whatever prior oath you had. So, like, you could have been Oath of Redemption or whatever, and now you're Oathbreaker. 
So you get your spells, your channel divinity, instead of turning undead, you control undead. Uh, within 30 feet, wisdom saving throw, they have to obey your commands for 24 hours. The other ability for channel divinity is dreadful aspect. As an action, you uh, focus your emotions into a burst of magical menace. Each creature of your choice within 30 feet makes a wisdom saving throw. And if they fail, they're fear frightened of you for one minute. And if they're frightened in this way, if a creature frightened by this effect ends its turn more than 30 feet, it can attempt another saving throw. So basically, within 30 feet, everybody's scared of you. Seventh level, Aura of Hate. Hate, yes. Any, any, the Paladin and any fiends are under within 10 feet gain a bonus to melee weapon damage rolls equal to your charisma modifier. Hmm. And then that increases to 18th level at 30 feet or 30 feet at 18th level. <laughs> we gotcha. So in a party, not that useful. Yes, you're giving it to yourself, but if you're like a paladin necromancer and you can raise dead and at ninth level, Oathbreaker paladins get the ability to animate dead. So if you just killed a bunch of flunkies and you bring them back as zombies, now you have your little, little horde that's all getting bonuses in combat no oh, i'm taking one for you i don't like that as a dm because the more stuff that's going on on a table the longer combat takes but it would be sort of cool in a role-playing aspect where you have this paladin is just being followed around by some skeletons or some zombies or something at 15th level you gain super, supernatural resistance you get resistance to bludgeoning piercing slashing from non-magical weapons okay mm-hmm. Yeah, your 15th level, mm-hmm. like I said. Against little creatures, yeah, that's useful, but higher levels, most of the attacks are magical. At 20th level, you become a Dreadlord. So as an action, you surround yourself with an aura of gloom for one minute. <laughs> it reduces bright light in a 30-foot radius to dim light. Whenever an enemy that isn't that's frightened by the paladin starts within the aura, it takes 4d10 psychic damage. Wow. So that's basically, you're just exploding little creatures. Yeah. yeah. You can just walk through. Nice. Yeah. Additionally, you can choose an aura. Additionally, the paladin and creatures he or she chooses in the aura are draped in deeper shadows. So if an enemy is relying on sight, they have disadvantage against attack rolls against creatures draped in shadow. So it's like everybody oh. gets a cloak of dipl- displacement. It's like Oprah Winfrey, cloak of displacement. Everybody you gets and you and you. you. Yeah. That's that's pretty useful. Yeah, this is sort of the super emo paladin. Yes. Yeah. You can also use a bonus action on your turn to cause shadows to attack a creature. Oh. So you get to make a melee spell attack against a target creature, and they take 3d10 plus your charisma and necrotic. That's a pretty awesome capstone ability. Yeah. Now, it is a DMG uh, build, so it's not normally available to players, but if you're a home game and you're say, tell your DM, you know, hey, I'm going to break my oath. I want to be an oath breaker. And they're good with it. That would be a lot of fun to role play. Well, that's a lot. Yes, it is. Um, As with all the classes. Yes. Do uh, now have you uh, have you run a paladin before, Eric? I have not. Really? I am not. Really? A, I'm not a paladin kind of guy. Okay. I've never run a monk because I don't like rolling little dice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can get um, some really large dice with fewer sides. And we're gonna do monks coming up. That's yeah. one of the two we have left. We have monk and sorcerer left. I and paladins 
maybe I'm still recovering from first edition trauma <laughs> around Paladins. Wow, that's, that, that, the last Paladin <laughs> that I ran was a first edition one, too. Yeah. It just hasn't appealed to me since first edition. I think what bothers me in fifth edition with Paladins is that they, they tend to be cookie-cutter builds. They always do the same thing. Oh, look, you're a Paladin in plate mail with great weapon master and a great sword and your Oath of Vengeance... And you're going to smite on every crit and you're just going to, you know, and everybody's going to have bonus on their saves. It, I don't ever see that much variation in Paladins. And that leaves a bad taste in my mouth and also makes me think maybe the the oaths are not balanced that well. If nobody's taking those other three, that makes you wonder, like, okay, what's going on with that? Yeah. Well, preparing for this, I did actually, you know, have... Got a paladin pretty well fleshed out here. Right, let's um, I decided to go, um, you know, uh, following my non-human uh, rule here, wanting to do something I hadn't done before. Uh, so I picked a race that I wasn't really a fan of and thought was kind of dumb. Asimar? Well, no, I didn't say a race I kind of dislike. Oh, okay. Because uh, anyway, but I went with a triton. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Went with a triton. Really? And the background of a triton kind of lends itself to paladin. Yeah, they're because sort of haughty. They're sort of these haughty dudes from under the sea who have come up above to save us all from the evil undersea creatures that they have unleashed. Um, but you know, I wanted I wanted a more chill Triton. Okay. So um my Triton Paladin, uh his name is uh Lycos, his first name which is kind of one of the names listed. And, like the outdated search engine? And like the outdated search engine. Yes, I did, uh, I did do that on there. And um, I, I'm going to make a paladin, and I'm going to call him uh, Jeeves. Jeeves, <laughs> yeah. So you can ask him. <laughs> He'll have a whole line of outdated search engine characters. Yeah. That would be like an interesting, like a party theme. I like that. Yes. Uh, yeah, Lycos Spokolnath. Okay. Um, and his last name is a homage to one of my... Favorite movie characters, Jeff Spicoli. I was um, going to ask that. Yes, it is Jeff Spicoli. Yes, he 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 will have a checkerboard pattern on his uh, greaves and boots. Can I just, <laughs> quick aside about yeah. names. Yeah. You can't get mad when people can't pronounce your name if you make a name that's unpronounceable. Yes. That's yeah. just public service announcement. And a GM is perfectly within their rights to shorten your 27-letter long name into three letters. Yeah. And pronounce it any way they want. Bob. Okay, back to Greg's palace. Back to Bob. Yes, Lycos Uh He is an Oath of Redemption paladin. Okay. Because uh, that's kind of why I actually had bothered to read that one. Because uh, I sort of see him as a Jedi paladin. He's just up here from under the sea. So everybody can just chill out and get along. <laughs> and if you're not going to, he's going to lay the smack down on you. So... Um, yeah, that's my. Don't get uh, him mad. Yeah, you wouldn't like him when, when he's angry. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that was uh, where I went with that. And the uh, the Tritons, they get the uh, very cool the Wall of Water spell as a uh, racial spell. They get to throw up this barrier, which is also good for our my chill, peaceful paladin. And uh, yeah, so that's where I went with that. Yeah, like a Jedi paladin, that could be cool. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. That's kind of where I uh, ended up in that Jedi mode. Wrote that down. So I think that's a good sort of. Way to think about that. Oh, offbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Jedi, mm -hmm. like, they're not out to kick butt, but they can. Yeah. So they do when necessary. 
So cool. I think I think all Jedi, especially all Jedi Masters, are actually paladins. So and if there's somebody who is an authority on Jedi Masters, it is Greg. It is Greg. Mm. See, yeah, he did go to the Star Wars celebration. So I did. He's he's one up time. on the rest of us. Are you trying to get tickets for uh, Galaxy's Edge? Uh, I can't afford that right now, but uh, it just opened. And there's only like one ride in available. You get, those things have to be open for two or three years before they, they calm down. You think that's going to calm down in three years? Well, actually, what I keep seeing on the Internet right now is that Disneyland as a whole and uh, Galaxy's Edge in general, uh, attendance is lower, way lower than expected. And well, when you got a price tag of 130 bucks a pop. That's the other reason why I'm not going anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, take I a have, family of four and you got to take out a And I have to travel to California right now. Uh, I'll go to the one in Florida and I'll go to the one in Florida after it's been running for two or three years and all of the attractions are open. If you go right now, you're just getting a, a, a sample. It's a sampler. Hmm. It's not ready. Gotcha. So we'll see. I'll go. It took us, what, eight or ten years to go to the Harry Potter thing. Yeah. So. If you didn't already know, Greg is a huge Star Wars fan. Yep. Among yes. other things. Among many other things. All right, All Greg, right. that's it. We are now, again, once again, towards the one and a half hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. These yeah. drill downs there are pretty long. Laundry lists of activities. And the more supplements they come out with, the longer they get. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, so, please take us out. Yeah. If you want to uh, swear an oath to us, a uh, good place to go is Facebook, where we are the Grognards. On Twitter, we are at T Grognards. Uh, on Instagram which we may be there a little more often now. We are the underscore grognards. And if you want to send us an old school email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. Okay, so thank you all very much for listening to the Grognards. We wish you all some wonderful gaming experiences. But for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. I have a temple bug in the god. Ain't never been there, some find it odd I live on horseback above all the thralls I pass the judgment, hung up the mall They say I'm douchey, but I have a good time Stopping murder hobos from committing crimes My holy avenger gets plus two plus five You dine in me, I'll just cast revive I am so holy, I catch some flack Ancient tombs I just won't sack I am so awesome, my party thinks I'm great They let me go first since I wear a plate so I draw the aggro, trigger the traps Use lay on hands to cure the thief's clap Lucky I'm pure after all I've been through Everybody's He's cool Let's go I do complain